This is the Connection Christian Church Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. Hope this inspires you and builds your faith. Enjoy the message. Because if you haven't experienced the presence of God yet today, then we need a defibrillator for you. You're in big trouble. I, um, man, I feel a little bit like Christmas, I think, feeling, you know, you just, when you get in, the, when, you, when you walk into that cloud, you know, it's like, what am I supposed to do in here, right? And, and it's just a bit overwhelming, um, and, I, and I hope that you're experiencing that cloud today. Today, we're going we're gonna to continue a series called Enduring Hope, and great to see all of you, see some of you haven't seen in a while, so it's great to see you guys, and great to have everybody online, and I hope that you're having this experience with us, because, you know, the, the, the gurus and all of that say that, you know, you're, as a preacher, you're supposed to say certain things and special things about people that are watching online and stuff, and I can never remember what those things are, because I don't preach to you as if you are online out there in your living rooms or cars or anywhere. I, I preach to all of us as if we are in the presence of God, wherever that may be, whatever that might look like, right? It doesn't matter if it's in this room, if it's online, if it's in the you know, a parking lot. It doesn't matter. We're in the presence of God, and that's what matters. And, and that's, that's what I think is so, is so important for us to continue to uh, to, to reiterate to ourselves, to remind ourselves of, because, listen, I, I believe what I said earlier, that I believe that the, that the enemy is coming against us in heightened intensity. If you don't believe that, you're not paying attention, right? You're not alive on planet Earth if you don't understand that, right? Because look around. Look around at what is happening. Look around at the evidence of, of the fruit that is being produced by the ruler of this world. That's what the Apostle Paul called the devil. The prince of the air. And the, and the fruit of the air, the fruit of that spirit is hatred, anger, bitterness, jealousy, rage, discord, right? I don't know in my, you know, 50 plus years, have I seen our nation and our world so at each other, so turned on one another, so easily angered and so easily offended. And I'm telling you now, church, I'm speaking to you prophetically now. This is not in my notes. This is what I believe the Lord wants me to say. Is that before you were born, God had a plan for you to come here during this time that he knew would happen to use your spirit your connection with Him, your power from heaven flowing to you and through you to stand against the principalities and powers of this dark world on behalf of God along with the angels to fight this war that we find ourselves in. You were chosen for this time. 
Now, I'm going to back all this up with Scripture, but I just want to lay it out there before so that you understand your role in this. But now watch this. Now, hold on. Let me, let me just... The most dangerous person on a battlefield is a person you think is friendly but is actually an enemy. The most dangerous person on the battlefield is a person that you think is your ally when in fact he has been infiltrated and indoctrinated by the enemy to turn on you. You don't want to be in a foxhole with your enemy. Are you following me? Now listen, how do we keep from becoming our, our, own, our own brothers and sisters' enemies? We don't listen to the voice of the devil in our heads. We listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. How do we know the difference? If it leads to anger, bitterness, resentment, jealousy, sexual immorality, impurity, discord, then it is the devil. If it leads to love, peace, joy, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control, kindness, then it is the Holy Spirit of God. So what are the thoughts in your head leading to? What are the words of your mouth leading to? What are the meditations of your heart leading to? Are you meditating on the things that lead you to turn against and turn on the people around you? Or are you meditating and leaning on and, 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 and soaking in and repeating those things that draw us together and, and bring us closer and connect us stronger so that we can love our enemies and fulfill the law? So that we can love our neighbors and fulfill the law. So that we can be the love of God flowing to us and through us. Because that's the purpose of the church. Listen, I've said it for years, but I think, I, I think the, I've never said it in an environment where it is more relevant than it is right this moment today. And that is that the church is here on behalf of God to do battle against an enemy that is destroying people all around us, tearing, tearing us apart and turning us on each other. We cannot allow it to happen. The church is not here to just be another organization, to just be another club that we join. The church is here to be the body of Christ the ecclesia of God, the family on purpose for God's purpose. And, and until we're willing to lay our lives down for that purpose, I don't know that we are a committed army. Fighting along comrades who are unwilling to die for you and you unwilling to die for them is a dangerous place to be on the battlefield. But when you are fighting along comrades who are willing to give their lives for yours and you are willing to give your life for theirs, you are the dangerous person on that battlefield. And church, we have already died if we are in Christ. And we, rise, we rose again in the resurrection never to have life taken from us. We have already entered into eternal life. 
Because you are spirit, not flesh. You are stuck in a flesh body that we try so hard and desperately to hold on to. But let me tell you what's happening. It's falling apart. It's coming undone. It turns up the aches and pains as you get older. So you'll just be a lot more ready to let it go when the time comes. Come on. Everybody over 50 said, hey. Yeah. (laughs) This is where our hope comes from. Today I want to talk to you about positioned for hope. I didn't know what God was going to do this this week. I'm going to just be honest with you. That's all I got. All I can be is just honest and transparent with you. I struggled this week. The boys will tell you, TJ will tell you, because TJ is always waiting for me to get him notes. And I'm like, because he has to do all kinds of stuff with it to put it on, you know, line and, and all this fancy stuff. But Man, I was just struggling down to the last. I'm like, God, give me something. And God says, nope. Only thing I'm going to give you is what I've already given you. So all you'll see on my slides today are scripture. Because <laughs> he gave me nothing else to add to it. Because there's nothing else needs to be added to it. Not that... What I add to it each week is adding to it. It's just, it's just emphasizing. But, but in this scripture, I just feel like God was saying, say what I said. Because he wants us to understand our position in him. Everybody say, in him. We'll come back to that. Your position in him matters. Last week, we talked about 1 Thessalonians, the opening chapter, the opening part. Keep in mind, these letters that are written in the, in the New Testament by the Apostle Paul, they're not chapters of the Bible. They are letters to churches and congregations and people that the Apostle loved with all of his heart and was willing to lay his life down for. And he poured out his heart back to them because he knew he would probably never see them again. And when he pours out his heart, he tries to pour everything that he can into how he feels about them. I I thought about this too this week is that, you know, we have a lot of pomp and circumstance in church nowadays, right? I mean, you know, even even in our very casual, you know, modern, um, contemporary way, we still have our pomp and circumstance, right? We still have our ritual, we have our way of doing things, you know, and and even if you go back further, you know, uh, I I mean, if you look at like the old church, like even going all the way back to, you know, Catholic uh, churches and stuff, what does it look like? It looks Roman, right? It looks Roman because when the church was legalized by Rome, it took on what Rome looked like. Big pointy hats and shiny, silky things, you know, and all of this stuff. And but but when you when you back up just a little bit before that into the time of the New Testament, the first century, you, you start to see this was a gritty church. This was this was Paul sitting in a in a hut or a cave or, or some kind of place 
that was probably not well lit and, and probably not well cleaned and probably didn't smell all that great. And he certainly wasn't wearing pointy hats and long flowing robes. And he certainly didn't have big flashy lights and screens behind him or any of that. What he had was a heart for God. Listen, I'm not, I'm not discounting any of those things. I'm not demonizing any of those things. We love those things, and God has blessed us with those things. But here's the thing. When it comes right down to it, what is the heart of the message? What is in our hearts? As we look at a world that is torn apart, as we look at a world that is bent on turning against itself, on turning against each other, Finding our differences so we can choose up sides and fight over it. Come on. That is not the church. The Bible says that we are in the world, but we are not of the world. In other words, the church must look different. If you as a believer look just like all of your unbelieving friends and, 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 and neighbors out there, then are you really the church? Are you really being the body of Christ if you look the same? If you're cutting and pasting things on Facebook that an unbeliever wrote and you're just putting it back on there because you would rather be right than be righteous in Christ, then are you really living as a believer? Listen, I am not afraid to offend people if it leads to their growth. But if it just leads to your offense, that is not my issue. That is yours. Come on. Give me some. Anybody that agrees with me, just go on and join on in because I'm sure there are plenty. Come on. Come on. Come on. I am not about politics. I don't. I hate politics. I don't. I don't like it. I think it's it's off the rails, and I and I don't like it. But listen, it 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 almost seems to me that you know the Republican Party is called the GOP, right? The Grand Old Party. Except for all the emails and stuff that I get from Republicans, sounds like grumpy old Protestants, <laughs> right? It's like, what are you so angry about? Stop identifying with a party. Stop being a Democrat or Republican. Be a Christian. Be a kingdom warrior and soldier on this planet that you were created for, that you were made for, that you have been sustained for, that you are here for such a time as this not to choose up sides and devour each other. Come on. You are here to love one another, not to be right. You're not meant to be right. Come on. You, you, <laughs> but that's not fair. Grace isn't fair. You know? There's right and there's wrong and then there's grace. Huh? Come on. There's fair and there's unjust and then there's the gospel. We are of the gospel. Come on. I mean, y'all going to make me pass out. <laughs> Only preaching one time this one time a week, you get out of I mean, you like lose some stamina, you know what I'm saying? I'm going to have to start running again or something. 
<clears throat> Come on. Listen, if I, if, if I have made you mad and offended you already, then you are exactly who I want the rest of this message to, to speak to. Because my intention is not to make you mad or offend you or, or to push you away. My message, I believe that God has given to me. Let, me. let me reiterate. God's message that I believe he wants to give through me today is exactly to us who have been infiltrated by the thoughts of the world, by the cares of this world. Listen, there's a, there's a scripture in the I just thought of, there's a passage in the scripture that says a, a soldier who is concerned about the world the things of the world and the things of his own personal life cannot focus on the mission that is at hand. And that's who we are. We are soldiers in the army of God and we have to let go of those things that are holding us back and drawing us here and there so that we can focus on the mission that is at hand. We are no longer civilians. We are soldiers in the army of God and we have to focus on the mission. Last week we talked about six pillars, remember? It came from this verse in 1 Thessalonians. We always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. We remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. And from that we said... Here's what that boils down to. And the Apostle Paul teases it out in the rest of that opening of his letter to the Thessalonians. And he says that it's because you are chosen. It's because you are loved, because you are chosen, and because you are empowered by God. Remember that? Six things. Faith, love, and hope. Chosen, loved, chosen, and empowered. That's what the body of Christ is. And he pours that out in the opening of his letter to, to the, the Thessalonians. And, and, and this was a group that he spent maybe, maybe weeks with, maybe months, at, at best months, probably weeks. He wrote to them and he, and, he, and he writes back and his heart just pours out for them. Today we're going to talk about Ephesians chapter 1. The, the church at Ephesus was a church that the Apostle Paul stayed with for years. He, he, he set up camp there in Asia Minor in the city, the port city of Ephesus, and, and he built a church there and he built around there and, and, and he evangelized that nation. That what, what we, we would consider uh, southern Turkey now it, it is where this was and, and he stayed there for years, at least two and some months. And he, and he had tremendous relationship. And he loved them. And he, and he grew them and he matured them. He discipled them. And so when he wrote back to them, he goes beyond, he goes further than just understanding. I shouldn't say just, because if we could just understand faith, hope, and love, it, it would revolutionize everything. But he, but, he, but he comes back to them later on when he's in a prison in Rome and he writes back to them and he says, these are the things that I want you to understand, but I want you to get them from a spiritual standpoint. Because the book of Ephesians is not written about how to live on this earth as much as it is written how to live in the Spirit. The Gospels, 
You see, God knew what he was doing when he, when he put this Bible together. The, the gospel, there were four gospels. People say, why are there four? Why do they contradict? Why do they, why do they have different things in them? Well, because God had different plans and different purposes for each one of them. The book of Matthew is written so that we can understand the, the kingliness of God. From, from the Jewish prophets all the way up and to understand what it meant to have the king from the line of David installed into, the, into humanity for all time, forever and ever. That's what Matthew is about. Luke was a Gentile. He was not a Jew at all. He barely quotes any Jewish scripture or supports anything by Jewish scripture. But what he says, he was also a, a medical doctor. And there are more miracles, physical miracles recorded in the book of Luke than any other gospel. Because that's what he saw. And he spoke from a position of not knowing the history, but just understanding the power of this God that has shown up in the flesh to save us and to deliver us. The book of Mark is probably actually written by Peter, at least uh, told or, or spoken by Peter and written down by Mark, John Mark a young man that, that was a disciple of Peter, and he writes of Jesus from the perspective of a servant, one who has come to serve and to give his life and to lay it down for this, the, the people around him. In Mark, the, the key verse of the whole book of Mark is, he did not come to be served, but to serve. And then there's John. <laughs> John is a whole different animal. In the Gospels. John is a book that is written from a, from a spiritual perspective. And if you read John from a physical perspective, it will leave you nothing but confused and wandering and frustrated. But if you understand that he's coming from the Spirit, that he's speaking from the Spirit, and he's speaking of a, of, of a state of existence that is higher than our physical state right here and right now. He's speaking of a way of living here and now, but not being stuck here and now. It's in the world, but not of the world. It's the kingdom. You see, the kingdom is spiritual. And among all of the letters that the Apostle Paul wrote, the book of Ephesians, the letter to his beloved church in Ephesus, the people that he loved and spent years with pouring his life into, he writes from a spiritual perspective and says, I want you to see a higher way. I want you to see a higher way of living, a higher way of existing, a higher way of experiencing Jesus our Lord. And so, he, 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 after he introduces it, he says this in, in chapter 1, verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Now, that little prepositional phrase right there, in Christ, is going to reoccur in several different forms throughout the rest of the book, but especially right here in the opening. Because he wants us to understand that the whole thing that comes after this is conditional on your positioning. Are you positioned in Christ for hope? Are you positioned in Christ for hope? Or are you positioned in the world for what you can get from it? Are you positioned in a 
political party or are you positioned in a club or a or a group of people that stand for a particular thing where is your position because when you came into Christ you gave up the rights of all those other positionings come on In America, Suzanne became a, a U.S. citizen. She was a German citizen. She became a U.S. citizen. But to become a U.S. citizen, do you know what she had to give up? Her German citizenship. Because when you become a, a citizen of one, you have to renounce another nation. And that's what happens when we become citizens of the kingdom. We must renounce citizenship of the world. Come on. And you can't go back and forth. You can't dabble. <laughs> you, you can't stay on the fence. Well, let me see if I, like, if I like who gets elected, if I like how they're running the country, then I'll just stay here. But if I don't, I'm going back over here. And then I'll go back over here. And then I'll go. No, 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 no. That's not how it works. Jesus draws a line in the sand and says, if you want to follow me, you must lay down your life. And come follow me. Take up your cross. Take up the grace. Take up the love. Take up the deliverance that I have given you. Represented by the cross. And come follow me. Church. We have to get serious about being the church. You say, well, how do I do that? Well, first thing you do is you figure out where you are positioned. Where do you stand? Where do you stand? The Apostle Paul says, stand in Christ. So, let's go. Verse 4. For He chose us in Him. Everybody say, in Him. For He chose us in Him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in His sight. When did He choose us? According to the holy scripture of God that we believe is all truth and nothing but the truth. Before the foundation of the world. That's when. You say, well, I wasn't there. Are you sure? Because he chose you there. And he chose you then. So in God's economy, in God's way of seeing things, you were with him. So that you could be in him. And you were chosen for that, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, everybody say in love. What does 1 John say about God? That God is love. So to be in love is the same to be in God, which is the same to be in Christ. Are you with me? So are you operating in love? Are you operating in Christ? Are you operating in God when you live out your life in the world? That's what it means to be positioned. In love, He predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with His pleasure and will to the praise of His gl glorious grace which he has freely given us in the one he loves. 
He predestined. In other words, he gave us a destiny to live out in advance. He gave us a path to walk in advance. He knew the times we would live in and what he needed us to live out in obedience to him to accomplish his great purposes. Come on. How does this happen? It happens through obedience. It happens through connection and obedience. When I am plugged into God and God is speaking to me and I am obeying his word, then I, am, then I get to live out my destiny. If I am separated and disconnected from God and I am not receiving my instruction, then I am wandering in the wilderness. I am lost. And he predestined us for adoption to sonship. Why adoption? Why does it have to be adoption? Because even before the foundation of the earth, God knew that we would be separated by sin from him and we would have to be reborn. We would have to be (laughs) redeemed from our sin. And the way that we are redeemed into a family is by adoption. I once was lost and now I'm found. I once was without a family and now I'm a part of the family of God. That is the predestined position of God that He already knew He was going to save you. He already knew that He was going to adopt you. That you already had a purpose in this life. In accordance with his pleasure and will. That that word will there, volition, it is his chosen direction and, and, and laid out path. That's what that is. To the praise of his glorious grace. In other words, our lives lived out in the power and the love and the faith of God and demonstrated to the world is all it really is, is one big billboard demonstration of God's glorious grace. I once was lost and now I'm found. Chief of sinners and now redeemed saints. People say things like, Oh, I'm just a I'm just a sinner saved by grace, right? Except for there's one part of that sentence that's wrong. When you are saved by grace, you're no longer a sinner. You're, you're, you might still sin, but that is not your identity. That is not who you are. Because once you're saved by grace, the wages of sin are paid. We don't stop sinning because God might punish us for it. We stop sinning because he has saved us from it. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning that grace may increase? By no means I have died to sin. How can I live in it any longer? Does he sound like he's afraid of God punishing him for sin? No. He's celebrating and worshiping and praising God because he has been delivered from sin. He's no longer a slave. He has been set free. And in your freedom, live humbly for the sake of others because God did that for you. Verse 7. In him, say in him. We have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that He lavished on us. 
I love that word lavished. Such a good word. Remember, I, I've used the illustration before, but it's like going through a, it's like going through a real expensive car wash. And you get, and you get in there, you know, you drive, you're driving through, and it's spraying your car. And then all of a sudden, oh, this was the greatest thing in the world they ever invented, was different colored suds. Right? You, you, you go to that thing, and then all of a sudden, this wall of like a rainbow of suds just starts coming down out of the ceiling, and, and you're driving in, and it just starts moving up your hood and just lavishing your car with these, this rainbow of suds, and it just covers everything. It's just great. It's just a great experience, right? That's what God's grace looks like to us. That we were dirty, filthy sinners, and yet He called us into His lavish of grace. And in that lavish of grace, we get to experience Him. With all wisdom and understanding, He made known to us the mystery of His will according to His good pleasure, which He purposed in Christ. To be put into effect when the time, when the time reached their fulfillment. To bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth and under the earth. To bring unity. The purpose of all of it is to do what? To restore that which was divided. What was divided? God from His people. Sin came in and divided God from His people. And then divided God's people from its people. And then people from people in general. Because the work of the devil is division. And the work of the Spirit, the work of Jesus Christ our Lord, is unity. Is to bring together. Is to restore and redeem. And to reconnect. Come on. Listen, I know that there are things happening out there in the world, being said out there in the world, that we don't agree with. That we know is wrong. That we know will not lead to anything positive or good. But just Getting angry and bitter and resentful and, and then going on the offensive and trying to get revenge or attack. because that Listen, the same energy that is causing that side to attack you is the same energy that is controlling you to attack them back. Because it's the enemy. It's the energy of the enemy. It is not the energy of God. Because the energy of God says, no, no, no. You don't fight this you let me fight this the battle does not belong to you the battle belongs to the Lord every time that the Lord called people into battle what did he do he fought it for them he, he sent people to play instruments and to worship or he sent angels to stand on on uh, mountaintops he fought the battles we're not here to fight the way the world fights. Our weapons are not the weapons of the world. If we're using the same weapons that the world is using against us, we are fighting as the world, not as the kingdom. Come on. We are in Christ. We are positioned for hope. We are positioned in Him to release what He is pouring out from heaven. What he of lavishing on us, we are to lavish on the world around us. But, but, but now we can't let them get away with it. No, no, no. That's not your battle. 
That's not who you are as a kingdom person. If that's how you want to live, then don't call yourself a Christian and don't call yourself a kingdom person because that is not how the kingdom fights. The kingdom fights on our knees with outstretched hands of surrender to our Lord in obedience connected to Him, living according to Him. Read the Sermon on the Mount. It doesn't sound anything like the world. When we read the Sermon on the Mount, we're make, we make excuses for why this is never going to work. Because we live in a world where it don't look like it can work, but God can make it work. With man, nothing is impossible. With God, all things are possible, even the Sermon on the Mount. So spread love. Listen, you don't understand the destructive power against the enemy that your love and encouragement and joy and peace has. You're not looking at love, peace, joy, and and patience and kindness as the weapons that destroy the enemy that they are. Come on. We think, oh, that's being soft, and that's being, we're just letting everybody get away with everything. We're just saying, no, 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 no. That's not what's happening. What's happening is we're, we are fighting as, dis, as, dis, <laughs> as disciplined soldiers. Disciplined soldiers. If you fight fire with fire, you just make a bigger fire. But if you fight fire with water, you put out the fire. Come on. Verse 11. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we who were the first to be put, uh, first to put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. Listen, he has already worked it out. (laughs) He's just invited us into it. And we can come into it kicking and screaming, or we can even miss it completely, or we can obediently join in to what the Lord is doing and get and, and experience the grace and the power of living in His will and flowing in the power of the Holy Spirit. Because listen, a powerless church is just another social club. A church, a group of believers, a group of kingdom people with no power is, might as well be the Ruitin Club or the Moose Lodge or something else because we are not the kingdom. The kingdom is power. The Apostle Paul said, the evidence, remember last week we talked about the evidence of, of, of you receiving what I was bringing, the gospel, is that you didn't just receive it in words to be educated, you also received it in power to be experienced. The kingdom of God is to be experienced, not just learned. Come on. Yeah. I don't, I don't feel like I'm preaching a sermon on Sunday morning anymore. I, I, feel, like, I feel like I'm preparing a, a, a unit for battle right now. I feel like we're equipping for battle right now. We're strapping on and we're, and, and we're getting our, our gear ready because we're about to go to war. And war in the kingdom does not look like the war of the world. 
War in the kingdom does not just tear down and destroy and try to... Listen, we're in election season right now, right? I mean, politics has all but stopped talking about what they are for and only talk about what the other, what's wrong with the other person, right? You know why? Because we're buying it hook, line, and sinker. Do we even know what they stand for? Do we even know what they want to bring and what they want to do and what they want to accomplish? No, all we know is how much they hate the other side. That is the enemy at his finest. Come on. That is not the church. That is not the kingdom. It's just not. The kingdom is grace. The kingdom is gospel. And the kingdom is power. And the kingdom is enduring hope. Because we are in Christ. Last verse, I'll stop here. But I, I, wanted, I want to finish this. And you also were included in Christ. Say, in Christ. When you heard the message of the truth, the gospel of your salvation, when you believed, you were marked in Him. Say, in Him. With a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is the deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of His glory. Are we living to the praise of His glory by demonstrating His grace to the world? By demonstrating His love, His hope, His faith. The things that He has given to us, are we releasing them through us? Because that is what will bring glory to God. Not tearing down the other side, but illuminating what our side stands for, which is the kingdom which is God, which is Jesus Christ and the gospel, that everybody needs hope. Listen, we keep talking about, oh, how are we going to fix this? We're going to make more laws so people will stop breaking laws. Listen, the more laws you make, the more laws people are going to break. It's not about breaking laws. It's about being transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you can, by grace, begin to live in the freedom that God has given to you through Christ. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Listen, when people feel caged up, when people feel cornered up, they are going to act like animals that get cornered up. Right? The last thing you ever want to do is get a friendly dog scared in a corner. That friendly dog becomes very, very dangerous. Right? And what does Jesus say? Jesus says, no, love them, accept them, pray for your enemies. And those who persecute you, give them something to eat, give them something to drink, serve them and, and, and love them and, and let them out of the corner. Come on. Let them out of the corner. So just think about what you say during the week. Think about what you type. Think, think about what you think. And say, is what I'm thinking, typing, or saying, is that putting someone in a corner, or is that letting someone out of a corner? Our job is not to fix all the world's problems. Our job is to present the gospel, 
that can fix all the world's problems. Are you with me? Is anybody with me? Come on. Anybody at all? Okay, I need some. We're going to celebrate communion together. And I want to, I want to use this communion this morning as, a, as an invitation. Not simply an invitation to come forward, although if, if you feel inclined to do that, there's, you can come up here and just lay on the floor if you want to. I don't care what you do. But I want, to, I want to make this invitation to your heart because I believe that's what Jesus intended it for the very first time that he offered communion to his disciples. You see, Jesus knew that he was going to his death, that he was about to give his life up for those who didn't even understand what he was doing. And it wasn't fair. It wasn't right. It wasn't just in the, in, the, in the justice system but in the kingdom you see in the kingdom to die is to gain <laughs> in the kingdom it, when you lay your life down for another and, and, you, and, you, and you allow someone else to be lifted up while you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God then all of a sudden God will take control of that situation and that situation will not make any sense in the world but it makes perfect sense in the kingdom that's why we celebrate communion to remember that's all it is is a reminder it's a reminder that God laid his life down for me he didn't have to Listen, Jesus wasn't trying to be right. He was being righteous so that we could enter into his righteousness. If Jesus would have just wanted to be right, we would all still be lost. So just hold up, your, hold up whatever you're using for communion that represents the body today. In your homes, wherever you are, just hold up. If you don't have anything, just hold up your hands. Father, we just thank you for your sacrifice. We thank you for your willingness to give what wasn't right, what wasn't fair, but what was righteous and what was full of grace and love and peace. You laid down on our behalf and in your death we receive our life receive the body of Christ one of the things that I know about being on a battlefield is that when a soldier gets wounded, they will bleed. And they will give their blood. And there is blood all over this world of people that have gone and sacrificed their blood on foreign lands for the people that were there. When we went in World War II to, to Europe and, and American blood is still soaked into the ground in Europe, we did it to set the people free that were under the oppression of a dictator. 
when we went to Desert Storm in Iraq and, and, and all the other conflicts that we've had, we went there to a foreign land to drop our blood on that land so that they could be set free from an evil dictator. And I could go on and on and on. Jesus came here from heaven to our land so that he could drop his blood and his blood would soak into the ground of this planet so that he could set us free from an evil dictator. And today when we receive this blood, we receive it as a reminder of the one who didn't have to come, but he came by his own volition to save us. And that is grace. Receive the blood of Christ. Would you stand, please? If you agree with me, would you just raise, would you just lit, put out your hands in a position of receiving and a position of surrender? They look very, very similar to each other. In the words that we sang earlier, I just surrender all. We just surrender all to you, Lord. We just give it all to you, Lord. We don't understand it. We can't control it. We get our blood pressure up about it, and we get all bent out of shape about it, but we can't do anything about it. And, 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 and God, that's just because it's not our battle. It's yours. And so we're just here for you. We're just here listening, connected to you, to be obedient to your word, to your instruction as you lead and guide us. Father, we give ourselves to you. Here is my life, Lord. Take it and use it for what you created and chose it to do. Let me live out my destiny. Let each one of us live out, live out the predestined purpose that you have put us here for such a time as this to accomplish on the behalf of the kingdom. And Lord, protect our minds and our thoughts and our hearts from the fiery darts of the enemy, from the, from the anger and the bitterness and the resentment and the unforgiveness and the jealousy and the slander. Forgive us, Lord, and redeem us and save us and protect us from all of those things because we know they are not of you. We allow only what is of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God, we invite you, Lord, have us, have your way in us, and let us live out your purpose, your will, in Jesus' holy name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. God bless you. Thanks for coming. Thank you for joining us. Special thanks to those of you who give to this ministry. Without you, the work we do at Connection Christian Church wouldn't be possible. If you would like to give online, please visit c3christianchurch.com. If you enjoyed the podcast, take a moment and subscribe and please share it with your friends. Thanks again for listening. God bless you.